Welcome to City Harbor Church, a safe place to find and follow Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, you know what? Last weekend, we had a fantastic time honoring our graduates. I want to say a huge thank you to Melinda and Daniel for helping make that special. It was such a great in-person church service. We say congratulations to all that have completed eighth grade and high school and uh, we have people working on college degrees, and, and uh, we're proud of you. We have a great time this weekend, outdoors, playing in the water, at gunpowder, enjoying the sunshine, and this morning, on uh, Sunday, June 13th, we've got graduations going on even now. So thank you for uh, being a part of that, everyone. Uh, June 13th, uh, today on Sunday, tomorrow on uh, Monday, June 14th is Leah's birthday. Happy birthday, Leah. Uh, we are so thankful for your gift in our church family and the way that you faithfully serve. Um, the next day, the 15th is uh, two birthdays on the same day, Daphne and David. Happy birthday to both of you. Uh, we're proud of you, the way that you're growing, the way that you are learning. And then coming up on June 20th, uh, the following Sunday, is the wedding anniversary of Steve and Melinda. We want to say a huge happy anniversary to you two. Uh, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your faithful service in the church family. Just the quality of who you are. It's always good uh, to be around you. Hey, let's pray today as we jump into our time of the message. God, I thank you that you saved us because you love us, that you lead us because you love us. And I ask today, would you help us to hear from you, hear what you would have to say to us, us as individuals, us as a church family. Help us to understand what you're saying. Help us to know where and what action we should take. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you know, over the past 15 months, uh, People making deliveries have become some of our favorite people, right? Uh, whether it was food that uh, that you had ordered or maybe it was something uh, that was being delivered that had been ordered for you online uh, celebrating a birthday, a special occasion. Uh, I don't know about you, but I actually did enjoy uh, keeping track of when the driver was going to bring something that I was looking forward to. Some fishing gear in particular over the past few months was one of the things I couldn't wait to see open the box and see what was in it. But our, our church family, people being sent and delivering things, that included things like food, uh, bringing meals to each other. So we had, you know, Chris and Abby had their new baby or different people were experiencing different uh, life challenges or bringing meals to each other. And um, another thing has also been plants. We saw uh, people uh, taking plants to each other. And it's it's a joy uh, to be sent to deliver something good to someone else. And we're going to talk about that today. The title of our message, we're completing our Acts 2 series. The title of the message is, We Are Sent. We Are Sent. We looked last week at the message, Acts 2, verse 21 Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's the basic message. That's the starting point. That's that's what the, they were talking about on a regular basis. That was Peter explaining the significance of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, and, and what new spiritual life and salvation could be found in Jesus. And he's quoting the prophet Joel there. It's a very significant thing where God is speaking and saying that everyone would have this opportunity. There would be a welcoming in of all different kinds of people. And, and let's actually turn to Romans chapter 10 for a little bit of an explanation of what they were talking about and what they believed. Starting in verse 9. 
if you, and this is again set in the plural for, uh, for multiple people, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And what is being talked about here is that God, the God above any other gods, the one true God, is the giver of life. Is a God full of love that is faithful, patient, and kind. And when we make mistakes, we're missing the mark of that kind of purity. And we can get into toxic selfishness, like a couple of three-year-olds arguing over a toy and and maybe uh, getting angry or frustrated with each other, choosing themselves over the other, having a hard time learning how to share. As we grow, that turns into more intense ways of... um, misusing, uh, mistreating someone else in toxic selfishness. And those kinds of mistakes are, are missing the mark of what God has designed us for, what God wants human life to be like in, in its purity and in its love. And God is a God of justice and a God of mercy. And if we don't come through Jesus to confess where we've been wrong and receive forgiveness that's made available to us through the sacrifice of Jesus, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, if we ignore that and if we just live in the guilt and the shame of our mistakes, God will punish what is not forgiven. And so God is a God of justice And a God of mercy. And what they're talking about here is that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we can be washed clean, so that we could be made new, so that we could be given a new heart, a fresh start, new spiritual life. And here in these verses, that's what is talking about. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, you're receiving Jesus as Savior. You are confessing that Jesus is above, right? More powerful than that. If you declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And we have looked at scriptures before that help us understand that when God raised Jesus back to life on the third day, It was God's way of showing that he had approved of the sacrifice of Jesus. He had received it as payment of the penalty for our mistakes, for our toxic selfishness. So if we declare Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. It's personal and private, and it's a public decision, an important decision to receive this new spiritual life from God. And that's where we have a a simple prayer that we use to kind of summarize the various things that we believe about this in making a life decision to turn away from toxic selfishness and believing that we're always right and believing that we are the master of our own destiny. We're turning away from toxic selfishness, our mistakes of our past, and we're turning toward God to receive this love that's faithful, patient, and kind, to receive this forgiveness that comes through Jesus, and then to follow God, to love God with that same kind of love. And that's where we would get a prayer like this. And if if you're already in that place of believing it, and you just know now is the time to turn to Jesus, you can repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me 
I confess my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I turn away from the past and I turn to you. Thank you. Amen. We join our faith with your faith if you're praying that for the first time or maybe praying a prayer of dedication. And I hope it serves as an example to help us. It's not about magic words that does something that gets us into heaven, but this verse is explaining that I'm declaring Jesus is Lord. I'm believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that that is the way to salvation. That's the way we can be saved. For it is by believing in your heart you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Let's continue. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. It's not a racial thing. It's not a heritage thing. It's not an ancestry thing. It's not about who you think you are, who somebody else has told you you have been. It is something that God draws people of all varieties into. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on on him to save them unless they believe in him? They have to believe in Jesus as Savior in order to be able to call on him. And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without having been without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Jesus. That's Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 17. There are few things in this world that are as much fun, as exciting, as memorable, as meaningful, as fulfilling as helping someone come to know Jesus as Savior. Very little in this life is as exciting as that. And that's something that is a joy that you can know, that you can experience. You know, one of the, uh, right before we moved to uh, Baltimore in August 2010, um, I was working in an office job at the time, getting ready to come here. And there was a a young lady working in the office who uh, grew up in Baltimore, who was from Baltimore originally, had some really painful life experiences here and got out of the city, needed to get out of the city. And in the office, you know, we we worked together for a few years and and she saw at different times when I would get excited about uh, buying my wife Rebecca a gift or some flowers or or celebrating a birthday or anniversary and... um, you know, how much I love Rebecca, um, how the fact that I've been married um, as long as I had, and uh, this summer we're celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, that was one of the things that Jesse found really interesting because she hadn't seen a whole lot of examples of that. And and, and the fact that that kind of love is truly possible. And, and we both uh, worked our way into different uh, responsibilities in the company, management responsibilities. And we were going through a really stressful time in the company. And one day in the break room, she she just stopped me and she asked, I don't get it. Why aren't you stressed? And I started to kind of, you know, answer the question. Um, and I realized that I was kind of making stuff up that wasn't entirely 
what was going to be helpful and true. And that the only way for me to talk about the peace that I had in these really stressful circumstances was to actually talk about my faith in Jesus. It, it, it just naturally kind of flowed from that. And, and the reality is, is that in my own mental health, in my own emotional health, the peace that I experience isn't possible without what Jesus has done in my life to forgive me of my sins and, and wash away the guilt of my past and, and to help me realize that this life here and now is temporary, that, that heaven is our home. And so I just started to explain to Jesse the difference that Jesus had made in my life. And as a result of that, she was curious. She wanted to learn more. I put her into contact with my wife. They exchanged texts, exchanged phone calls. Jesse ended up uh, coming with us uh, to church and she received salvation from Jesus. And she, she experienced what that was like. And it was life changing. And there was a transformation that happened in her that we saw that was a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And I'll tell you, um, I've I've really been thankful that I've had multiple opportunities over the course of my life to do that. There is nothing as good as that. But the reality is, is that not everyone has had that experience. And some of us think that that experience is only for people that are an evangelist. Uh, one of the gifts that's listed in the scripture. But the, the reality is, is that it's not just for the evangelist. They might be gifted at it. It might be easier for them. They might be more passionate about it than other people are. But the reality is, is that this scripture and many other scriptures that we have are written in the plural to all believers. And we are all sent. We are sent. And this scripture points out the question, how will people know about Jesus if someone isn't there to tell them? And that faith comes from hearing the truth about Jesus, the good news about Jesus. That's where faith comes. That's where God starts to interact with that person. And God does it in many different ways, in many different situations. But this scripture makes it really clear that people need to be sent to have these conversations with others, to, to talk about Jesus, to share the good news of Jesus. That's a reality of it. And I think that sometimes we can um, start to fall into this trap of saying, well, you know, I just want to be compassionate and merciful and, and, and just, you know, be a peaceful person. Um, and, and telling somebody that they need Jesus isn't very compassionate. Telling so, somebody that, hey, maybe they need forgiveness, that's not very compassionate. But I want to ask the question, is it compassionate to not tell them about Jesus? If you're a believer in Jesus who's been forgiven of sins and has the hope of heaven, think about what you were like before that. What you would be thinking about, what you'd be experiencing, what it would be like to go through life today with all the challenges, everything that we're facing today without the hope of heaven, without forgiveness of sins, without a new heart, a new spiritual life from Jesus, without a fresh start from Jesus? Is it compassionate to not tell the people that you know about Jesus, leaving them in their current state? Well, let's let's come back to the scripture and the early, and the early church followers. Where did they get this sense of purpose? Jesus taught, and I think this is relevant, hang in there with me. Jesus taught that the most important truth in all of scripture includes our directive to love God with the best of our energy. Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. You must, he's asked, what's the most important truth in all of scripture? And here's what he says. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. 
And remember, this love word, Jesus has already explained, God loves us, and it's an agape love word, which is a love that is faithful, patient, kind, selfless, giving, and makes a decision to love someone else, not based on what they can get out of them or their positive attributes. It's a love that gives. It's a love by decision. It's a love that's faithful and patient and kind. So love God with the best of your energy with that kind of love. And Jesus says a second truth is equally important. Love, with the same love word as this love God, God kind of love, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So out of this kind of personal relationship with wholehearted devotion to God, we're receiving this love of God from Jesus, and we receive direction from Jesus to show this same kind of selfless, faithful, patient, and kind love to our neighbors. That's the foundation for the next step in the pathway of our following Jesus. It's the foundation. It's the motivation. It's the filter by which we know if we're going about it the right way. Are we loving our neighbor in that kind of faithful, patient, kind, selfless way in the same way that we're loving God with the best of our energy, in the same way we're taking care of ourselves? So that's the foundation for Jesus' directive. Now, Jesus gives his followers, all his followers, in in plural, imperative, directive grammar, he gives his followers this command. And it's a command, it's a directive. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is giving them a mission with a sense of of, of identity and value and purpose. And here's the words that he's saying. It's go, travel, be on your way, on your way of life, going to people. Disciple. That means to cause people to become followers. That disciple word is a learner who seeks to become like the one they are following. A learner who seeks to become like the one they are following. So go, convince them, urge them. It's actually just a verb. It's verb, verb. Go disciple. It's, it's literally what it says in the original language. Jesus is saying actively, go out there and disciple people. Go out there as you're following me, becoming more like me, Jesus says. Go out there and train other people, convince other people, urge other people. It's not force. It's not manipulate. It's not browbeat. It's urge them into it. Convince them of the value of it. Draw them into it. Train them. Walk alongside them. Go on a journey together with them share in this spiritual journey together and it's people of all varieties the word nations there is ethnos for all different kinds people from every culture from every nation so jesus directs the people who received salvation from him not only those with the gift of evangelism right but everybody to live with this active purpose for convincing people of all varieties to become his followers We should respond to this directive in the same way that these first believers did. We receive a fresh start, new spiritual life, a new sense of identity, personal value, and the purpose of Jesus. It's it's one of the essential steps of following Jesus. We become ambassadors of Jesus. And last week we looked at what it means for us as a church family to be an embassy. Where do we get this language? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verses 17 through 21 talks about the message of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation with us as ambassadors of Jesus. Let's have a look at that. 
This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Remember, sin separates. Sin breaks relationships. Toxic selfishness breaks relationship. God brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. It's a work. It's an activity. For God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen, we have an opportunity to lead people, to, to, to help people take next steps in following Jesus, to be cleansed, to be forgiven, to be made free from the mistakes of their past, free so that they're not compelled to ever repeat those mistakes again. And you know, one of our good friends, Keith, who's in heaven now, I was reminded this past week of the, the gift, the joy that I had in being able to be the one who led him to faith in Jesus. And Keith uh, was a person who had pain, had brokenness, had made mistakes, had been mistreated by others. Uh, Keith was a person who actually through recovery programs and, and, and different things had learned some of the scriptures and he could quote some of the scriptures. In fact, I heard Keith quote more scripture than many people um, that I have met that have spent years and years in church. But Keith did not yet know Jesus as Savior. I actually assumed that he did because of the way that he quoted scripture. I'll never forget the day um, after church uh, when we were still at the ideal um, uh, meeting on the ideal West 36th Street, uh, ideal old movie theater there, the dance studio. And Keith is um, sharing some frustrations that he has with me about life and, and, and about his challenges. And in the midst of him pouring out his frustration uh, discouragement, his pain, his anger, uh, the suffering. In the middle of talking uh, through all of that, it suddenly occurred to me, the way that he was talking, that he had never met Jesus as Savior. And now he knew scripture and he knew different truths. And there was a lot to talk about and a lot of different questions. And so what I did was, is I got a hold of the purple book. And I, I just started at the beginning I started at the beginning and I started to meet once a week and take 15 minutes. We'd have coffee, we'd talk about life, and then we'd take 15 minutes to go through one lesson. Go through one lesson with its scriptures. And he was really excited about it because he knew some of the scriptures. And it starts off with this whole idea of sin. What, is, what does that mean? Not missing the mark thing. And what's the result it has? And then what was God's solution for it? And what it means for Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And where do we get this idea that God gives us a new spiritual heart and that there's grace that comes through faith? We started to walk through that. And I'll never forget what it was like as we started to go through the scripture verses with the questions of what did Jesus' death on the cross accomplish for us? And as we started to go down the list, 
It was like fireworks were going off for Keith. The truth came alive for the very first time. And I will never forget that conversation as it, it began to occur to him. The truth was revealed by God's grace, by God reaching out to him. God, the Holy Spirit, giving him the ability to understand. God, the Holy Spirit, lifting him up spiritually in that moment. And as we get, went through this, Keith made that decision to turn away from his past, to, 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 to reach out to Jesus as Savior. And he was transformed. That day going forward, he was changed. The way his face looked was changed. He had joy he hadn't had before. He had freedom that he hadn't had before. He had spiritual strength to overcome his struggles that he hadn't had before. And today, I have confidence that he is in heaven and that we will see him again one day. It is one of the joys of my life. Even though I miss spending time with him here on earth, it's one of the joys of my life to know that he's in heaven. I thought about the question, how will people know if somebody doesn't tell them? So what should we do? Well, let's talk about this, right? Number one, list the people that you know who are not yet followers of Jesus. For real. Today. In your phone. In your journal. On your prayer card. In your Bible. Wherever it is. Write a list. Who do you know that's not yet a follower of Jesus? And if you really have to think about it, write it down. Ask God, pray, ask God to, to bring the faces to your, to your mind. Ask God to bring the names to your mind. Write down a list of who you know that are not yet followers of Jesus. Second, pray, asking God for their salvation. Pray for them today, today. Pray through your list. Pray for each one of them by name. How many people do you know? Maybe you're the only person who would be praying for them. Ask God to reach out to them, to have mercy on them, to speak to them, to draw them to his throne of kindness, right? Pray, asking God for their salvation. And also pray, asking God to reveal your next steps in this relationship with them. God, what would you want me to do? God, reach out to them. Bring them to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bring them to forgiveness of sins. God, what do you want me to do? And we follow what we've been reading in the book of Acts, right? We're praying and asking God for boldness. One of the, the things that in the book of Acts that the followers of Jesus prayed and asked God for the most was boldness to speak the good news. I don't think they were any better than you. I think that you can pray the same prayer. Pray through your list, asking God to bring salvation to the people on your list. Pray and ask God for what you should do. And pray asking God for boldness, that you would have boldness to speak the good news. Number three, prepare to share the good news of Jesus in two minutes. And listen, if you don't know how, get a purple book. Go through those first few lessons that has the basics of the good news of Jesus. And I want you to write down notes. Write down the scriptures, the questions, the thoughts that make sense to you, that work for you. Write it down and prepare and then practice it. Put a timer on your phone for two minutes. Look into a mirror and share the good news of Jesus with yourself. Prepare to share the good news of Jesus in two minutes. Are you able to articulate? What does it mean to miss the mark? What is toxic selfishness? What is making a mistake? What is the damage of sin? 
Why is it that Jesus needed to die? What does his death accomplish? What did his resurrection accomplish? What does it mean, right? Be able to explain the good news of Jesus in two minutes. Now, number four, prepare to share your story in two minutes. What is your story with Jesus Christ? How did you first come to meet Jesus? Did someone explain the truth to you? Was it in a conversation? Was it outdoors? Was it in a church? Was it out in a parking lot? How did that happen? Maybe the easier thing to explain is before Jesus and forgiveness and faith and grace, before Jesus, I was like this. I was this kind of person. I did these kinds of things. This is what my life was like. This was the depression, the anxiety, the hurt. Explain it. Prepare yourself to explain in two minutes your story with Jesus. This is important. We see in Revelations that the believers overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This is what I was like before Jesus, and now this is what I am like with Jesus. Prepare to share your story. Again, Set, drop down some notes, set a timer, look in the mirror, share your story, prepare yourself. The more you are prepared to share the good news of Jesus and to share your story, the easier it will be when the opportunity comes. It doesn't need to be rehearsed and polished. It doesn't need to be perfect, but it needs to be real. Number five, share your story and the good news of Jesus with someone this week. This week, you can do it. Today, Go through your list, pray, ask God to give you an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and your story with someone. Ask God to help prepare for it. Ask God for the opportunity and then look for the opportunity. I want each of you this week to share your story, share the good news of Jesus with someone. You can do it. God cares about you doing it. God's going to help you. Number six, use the purple book. It's not always the best idea to just try to convince someone on the spot, try to lead them in a prayer on the spot. I have had the great joy of a number of times having conversations, in some case with a guy who says, like, can you really believe in Jesus and science? I'm like, that's a great question. Absolutely you can. Because I think what the science community is doing is observing the truth of what God has designed and what God has done. And that God invented reason. God invented logic. God invented the principles of observing facts and exercises that can be repeated with the same results. Uh, Math. Math and music are a language that God invents and God is a creative being and God causes us to be creative and that doubt is not an enemy to your faith, but identifying what is it that you doubt? What are your real questions about God? What are the things that are an obstacle that are getting in the way of you believing in Jesus? That journey is a great way to come to faith in Jesus. A lot of people, including um, a great doctor who, who uh, uh, for my sister, who uh, birthed a couple of her babies, or at least one, he had set out as a young man, he was a brilliant doctor, he had set out to disprove the existence of God, kind of like Lee Strobel uh, in The Case for Christ, his life journey as as an award-winning journalist. He had set out to disprove God, and in the end of it all, he became a Christian. I think that doubt and reason are friends of faith. And what I've been able to do multiple times is to take somebody who just 
has no understanding of the Bible whatsoever, no understanding of anything that we believe, and to use the Purple Book to walk them through one question at a time and 15-minute sessions with a cup of coffee, you can do it. And wherever you're at in the spiritual journey with someone that God has put in your life, you can use the Purple Book to walk alongside them, to share the spiritual journey with them. So it's not manipulation. It's not at your pace. It's where it gives you a chance to observe how God is at work in this person's life. It gives you a chance to hear what questions that person has, what their spiritual journey has been like, how they interact with reading the verses about what the death of Jesus accomplishes for them, what forgiveness really means. Um, it is incredibly easy and it's incredibly helpful. So use a purple book. And then number seven, share this journey with your church family and pray about it. And here's what I'm talking about. Listen, all of us are at different stages of this journey. All of us have different levels of experience. Uh, levels is not a great word. We've all had different experiences and we all have different questions, maybe insecurities, maybe doubts. And it's really important to talk about this stuff with each other. I've heard people say, you know, we get together with people at church and I don't have anything to talk about. Talk about this. Talk about this. Text somebody today, right now. Text somebody in your church family about whatever it is that you don't like about this message I'm giving you right now. What your questions are. What your doubts are. Start the conversation about it. As you go through these action steps that I've just given you, Share what's going on with that journey with somebody else. I mean, obviously, don't be a gossip about whatever people in your life are sharing, but share what where, what what you're concerned about, what was difficult, what was good, what was rewarding. Share the experience with your church family and then pray together. Pray for each other as you grow in this journey. That's really important for us to be a life-giving church family if we're going to be a life-giving church family that is growing, that is inspired, that is activated, that is doing something, that enjoys life and finds fulfillment in this life, this is essential. This is essential. And I want you to consider that that's what was happening. If you read through the book of Acts and you look carefully at the details, it wasn't magic. It wasn't a miracle that all these people came to faith in Christ. The, all the believers were actively doing outreach. They were actively following this directive from Jesus. They were going. They were finding people. They were urging them, convincing them, leading them into next steps and following Jesus, sharing the spiritual journey. It was, remember, it was a culture of equality and humility and love, selfless, faithful, patient, and kind love. That was the culture of it that we see this in. And wrapping up our series here, this is what we were talking about. This is how they saw these results. These followers of Jesus who heard Jesus with their own ears, saw Jesus with their own eyes. This is how they responded. This is what they saw. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped 
together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Listen, City Harbor Church, I believe that God has hope and vision and purpose for each of us in every day of the week, whether we are resting, whether we are working, whether we are deeply considering what these spiritual truths mean for us. I'm believing that if you will follow these action steps, your life is going to be more exciting, more fulfilling, and we are going to have great stories to tell each other. I've given to several of you the book, The Post-Quarantine Church, which is helping us to think through some really important questions. How can we be the followers of Jesus, regardless of building, regardless of how often we meet, Uh, for worship, regardless of where and when and how we meet for church activities. How can we follow Jesus? How can we leverage the building that we, that we lease to be an outpost for the community to recognize who Jesus is? And in the middle of it all, an essential ingredient for us is prayer. I'm urging you, please, when we have these in-person Uh, monthly prayer meetings. Make it a priority. Get yourself there. It is essential to us as we're going forward with this uh, new way of following Jesus and, and being attentive to the Lord's directives for us. And with the weekly Thursday night Zoom, we get a chance to pray for each other. Prayer is so very important. In fact, it's so important that coming up, I'm starting a new series on prayer. I want us to, over the summer, be learning more about prayer, this conversation with God, interaction with God, deep relationship moments with God that is possible for every single one of us, that helps life be meaningful and fulfilling. Prayer, this conversation with God, the relationship moments with God is so essential for us to be able to draw spiritual strength from God and find a fresh joy and a fulfillment in this life. I really believe that for us, in our spiritual family, it should be joy that's building, strength that's growing with this new sense of purpose. We are sent. We've got the good news of Jesus and an opportunity to faithfully love others. Will you allow me to pray for you today? God, I thank you so very much. You saved us because you love us. You lead us because you love us. Jesus gives us this directive because he knows what's best for us, what's best for our world. God, it's not easy. We fail at times. Please forgive us for our failure in this. But help us not to, 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 to sit back in shame or guilt. Help us not to be limited by any feeling of inadequacy, misunderstanding. Help us to hear your instruction and do something about it. And today, as we write out our list of people who don't yet know you as Savior, today, as we pray and ask you for direction, open our spiritual eyes, open our spiritual ears to hear your leading so that, God, we can take the next steps you want us to take in this really important aspect of the journey. Help us, help us as a church family be known as a safe place that people come in, to find and that as a safe harbor that sends the ships out, that as followers of Jesus, we are going out to lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Thank you, God, for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for participating in this. Grace and peace to you. Have a great week.